Hi, everybody. This is Jeffrey Short for Market Scale. Well, restaurants are constantly changing today, not only in their themes, their menus, their names and locations, but the industry's entire business model seems to be in flux. It has always been a world of tight margins, so we wanted to figure out what separates restaurants in the red from those in the black. And to give us the lowdown, we're joined today by Krista Jagannath, a senior audit manager for Briggs & Veselka Co. Krista, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you. Awesome. Well, we wanted to bring you on because you recently spoke at the Texas Restaurant Association Marketplace Conference, and you gave a you were part of a, a panel, I suppose, on the finances and best practices of running a restaurant. So I wanted to kind of pick your brain on that. And can you give us kind of a lowdown of what we might have missed there? Yeah. So there's the thing about the restaurant industry is it's it's ever changing. And at the same time, so is the accounting and business aspect of it. There's constant new accounting standards and guidance that are coming around. And it was mainly to keep everyone up to speed on the updates as well as um, address any concerns or feedback relating to financing, lending, um, what are some of the best practices from some of our best operators that we've seen and kind of giving advice and being a resource for them so they can kind of go to their accountant with some good information on how to enter this next year successful. Yeah, I wanted to speak too about the specific challenges in the hospitality, the restaurant space compared to maybe some other industries. So we have already mentioned, and I think you can't really even have a conversation today about restaurants without talking about change and different trends and themes and, and delivery and all the different things that are going on there. So what are sort of the unique challenges that restaurants are facing today uh, that they maybe weren't in years past? With so many restaurants uh, up and coming and, and even just being in Houston uh, or Texas, you know, we, we really pride ourselves here for having the diversity and good food. Um, and, and we're excited when new restaurants pop up. But with that, it really increases the competition. Um, and so as you see more restaurants opening, the flip side of that is there's also restaurants closing and, and some of them are maybe going bankrupt while others may be merging or being acquired by uh, some of the bigger restaurateurs. And that really puts this industry at a high risk. Um, and that's kind of changed uh, over some time um, and I would say high risk in the fact of when it comes to lending or obtaining financing or winning investors, they really are hesitant in providing lending if they know that there's a possibility that this restaurant might close or they may not get their money back. And so it's becoming harder and harder for restaurateurs to obtain that lending if they want to open up a new location or restaurant. And, and that really is trying to get more strategic on how do we get funding so that we can continue to grow because the primary source that we used to go to is not uh, really available as it used to be. And, you know, and, and speaking to bankers and investors, you know, it seems like now they're 
kind of creating a criteria of they would like at least you to have maybe 10 stores or 10 franchises open already before even giving the thought of providing lending because they want to see a history of success um, to give them that assurance and comfort. That's really interesting. And so I guess what kind of advice would you give sort of the standalones or the mom and pop shops or the entrepreneur that wants to open his or her own restaurant? Because that's such an aspiration for so many people um, starting their own business, starting their own restaurant. What can you advise them? So the new trend that's going on right now is you know, one would be raising money internally between your family or um, immediate stockholders. Um, two would be going the private equity route. There's several private equity groups that specialize in buying and selling of restaurants. Um, a third option that's kind of a new trending funding option uh, lately is crowdfunding. And the benefit of crowdfunding is you now have people like me and you who essentially could provide $100, $1,000, almost like you're fundraising. So the, the restaurant would be fundraising money through a crowdfunding company and anybody in the community can contribute money. So it, it provides this community involvement where they now feel like they are involved in your restaurant, which means they are also now going to bring their friends, their family to the restaurant. It's good marketing. Um, and they also want to get their money back as well. So they're going to do whatever they can to make sure you're doing good in sales, to make sure that place is busy. And in return, the restaurant would essentially pay back um, over whatever the agreed upon terms is. So with crowdfunding, you could potentially have a thousand investors in the community who have given a small contribution here or there. And at the same time, you have now gotten the exposure and marketing um, before the restaurant has even opened. Right. That's actually a very good point. Even just from the marketing standpoint, I didn't uh, really think about crowdfunding in that sense. But when you're reaching that many people uh, in that organic fashion, I guess it does become its own marketing campaign in a way. Um, I also did want to talk about delivery because I'm seeing so many headlines about these delivery companies. And I'm wondering if that is more advantageous for these larger restaurants, chains that can maybe roll it out quicker? Or is it more advantageous for the smaller businesses, standalone restaurants that are now able to reach more customers than they were previously? Yeah. So delivery service has been a very hot topic amongst all restaurateurs. If you ask them, they'll say they absolutely hate it. You know, they're not able to provide the customer service and the quality service. And, you know, you're trusting someone who's not really with the company in hopes that they'll provide the same quality uh, delivery and service that you would expect. Um, It's also very expensive, not only for the consumer, but also for the restaurant. Uh, I believe it was around 20 to 30% is what you would have to pay from a restaurant tour to these delivery services. And so if you are a small mom and pop uh, location or starting up, 20 to 30% can be a very big hit to your expense, um, cost gets sold, and could really take away some of your profits. And so what I would recommend or what I've seen is really the 
the bigger uh, restaurants who have several locations and have been really established. It works well for them because they have the cash flows coming in consistently and can cover those costs. And it's helping with somewhat of a marketing standpoint. Um, but I do see some of the smaller restaurants, they might try it out, but you'll see they'll come off a couple of days from the delivery service and they'll, sh they'll show up on other days. Maybe they're only there for the lunch service or their dinner service. And so they keep it to a very limited time frame. but it has been a very challenging um, part of trying to stay up to speed with the market while keeping yourself in the positive cash flow aspect. Yeah, it's also very interesting to see how different restaurants are approaching that. And as someone who speaks to restaurant owners and looks at their financial documents and things like that, where are you kind of seeing waste in the restaurant space right now uh, financially? Uh, it'd probably be more in the inventory spoilage or uh, adjustments. So I would probably see it more if a restaurant or retailer is not... Uh, performing inventory counts on a regular basis. Maybe they're doing it monthly, quarterly. Um, and so if you're not staying up to speed with your inventory consistently and regularly, you're not able to control if there is excessive spoilage or um, if there's too many comps. You know, we all go to a restaurant and sometimes we get our meal comps or we might get a comp drink. Um, and so here, without having the proper controls in place to monitor this, you, know, you never know if a bartender or a um, waiter or waitress is giving away too much. And, you know, truthfully, if you wait until the end of the quarter, by that point, it's really too late. And so what I've seen in some of the best practice for um, operators is that they actually have inventory counts on a weekly basis, so that they're constantly keeping up to speed with where they are on their orders, where they are on if they're missing bottles of wine or food, you know, they're able to address that immediately with that team that's been working that week. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And lastly, I wanted to speak to you as someone who's a board member of the Greater Houston Restaurant Association. Houston has really been um, sort of a rising food hub, it seems, in the last two years or so. Can you kind of talk to me a little bit, maybe not about the actual food, but what has led to this culture of successful restaurants um, popping up in Houston? You know, uh, it's very interesting. Uh, we've noticed that trend as well. Um, it seems that California and Texas are kind of the two big hubs for restaurants. And, you know, we're excited about it. And it, it could be that, you know, here in Houston and, and Texas in general, um, with just the job markets, people are moving down here from up north. Um, taste buds are open up. People are open to different cuisines, uh, South African, we have Asian, we have Pakistani. You know, we have different cultures that are migrating in Houston um, that maybe we didn't have as much before. So the diversity is coming in. People are a lot more open to trying new things. People are excited about it. And so it really opens the opportunity for different restaurant concepts to try different themes here and 
And if it works out well, it's great to expand it from Houston onwards um, into other states and other cities. So I've noticed that Houston has become, as well as Austin and Dallas, have become kind of the hub of testing out a few concepts. And if it's successful here, um, you know, it's it's pretty well off that it will do very well in, in other areas. Yeah, I hope we can get a little bit more of that in Dallas. Um, But I I actually, you know, that actually did spawn another question in my mind as someone that, again, does work with all these different restaurants and notices all the concepts. Is there uh, an area of the restaurant world, whether it's uh, a to-go or, you know, smaller uh, restaurant footprint compared to um, a larger sit-down establishment that has been proven to be maybe more efficient or can mitigate some of that risk? Is there a, a type of restaurant that has uh, kind of found a tried and true method of success? Yeah, I would say consumers are constantly interested in, in anything that's new, but they also are looking for the best bang for their buck. Um, they're also trying to accommodate different taste buds within a family or even in your friend's circle. So if you think about your family, I'm sure each person has a different liking and maybe one person may not like barbecue, but the other person wants American food. And so I've noticed more of restaurant comps that kind of cater to the different cuisines or offer different options and are not narrowed to just one style um, really kind of is the all-in-one. You kind of go there, everyone's happy, everyone gets their own choice. Um, And, you know, it seems like it's it's becoming more successful. And in addition, the the ones that are catering more to this new fad of, of vegan and gluten free and vegetarian, uh, paleo, um, you know, those seem to be doing very well in the industry right now uh, to cater to those taste buds. Um, so th- yeah, that that's what I would say for that. Yeah, it's really interesting. Well, Krista, thanks so much. That was really insightful to learn about the business side of restaurants because like we've alluded to before, there's so much change going on all the time. So we have to stay on top of it. But uh, thanks so much. And uh, I hope we can do this again. Thank you. I appreciate it. This interview is part of the MarketScale Contributor Program. If you'd like to be featured as a contributor on MarketScale.com, please submit content to publications at MarketScale.com or head to our publications pages at MarketScale.com slash industries to see more.